0: Hi, I'm Lauren Klash-Snyder with Clash Notes for Broadway Radio. I'm here with Carmel Dean. She's the composer of Transport Group's Renaissance, playing off-Broadway at the Abrams Arts Center. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, that's a beautiful accent. You have to say where you're from. I am from Perth, Australia, Western Australia, all the way down under.
0: Were you familiar with Edna St. Vincent Millay growing up?
1: I actually wasn't, and I discovered her quite accidentally when I was applying for NYU's musical theater writing program, which is a graduate program um, here in New York, obviously. And part of the application for incoming composers is to set the Millay sonnet, Time Does Not Bring Relief, to music. And it was the first time I'd heard of Edna St. Vincent Millay, and I, I set the poem, and I immediately fell in love with her words. I thought she was such a beautiful writer. And that's what opened the door to my love of Malay.
0: Oh, my goodness. So it's really been a, a, long, a long, nice history.
1: Well, yes, it has. <laughs> it has. I mean, there, that song now... Um, is the second to last song in the show. And um, I, you know, people ask me how long I've been working on on this show. And if I tell them that story, I can tie it back um, to being a 17-year journey. And, of course, I was not writing it full time. And I wasn't thinking this would be a show when I set that poem. All I wanted to do was get into grad school. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the beginning of something much bigger.
0: Definitely. How did you and the writer Dick Scanlon and
1: Transport Group all come together for this? Well, I had become friends with Dick Scanlon when I was music directing Everyday Rapture, which he uh, co-wrote with Sherry Renee Scott um, at Mm -hmm. Second Stage, uh, back in 2009, I believe, and um, I'd always admired him as a writer of course, and then we became friends and colleagues and he he also became a mentor to me and we used to have lunch during rehearsal and I would tell him that i I you know was a composer on the side even though I was music directing full time and and um, he expressed interest in hearing my music because he's such a kind soul and you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's such a, a lovely, warm friend and mentor. And so I, I took him up on the offer and I, I brought him a CD of about a dozen of these Malay poems that I had set to music, which, which I had demos of. Um, and so I just gave him this CD and I, um, I, I, he, he now famously tells the story that his inside voice, thought, oh, my God, a whole CD full of poetry. How boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he said he was really taken by the fact that Malay's poems lend herself to, to being musicalized um, and very sweetly said he, he responded to my music. And flash, fast forward a couple of years, I had an opportunity at the York Theater to to do a 39-hour reading of Of anything that I wanted to do. And really the only thing I had were this collection of Malay songs. So I asked Dick if he wanted to quote unquote direct the show. And he said, well, what show? It's just a bunch of songs. Um, So, you know, I think deep down I, I, I had hoped that he would be able to find some kind of story and or something to help tie these songs together and in true Dick Scanlon genius fashion he when reading her the Malay biography Savage Beauty he realized that the period of her life where she wrote Renaissance um, was actually a really interesting story and something that we would be able to explore with these songs that I had already written and um, you know and, and we continued to flesh out the story then and I would write songs to that were Uh, more relevant to the specific story that we were now telling. So, you know, it was always always a little bit outside of the box. And then we were looking for um, more development opportunities. And we ended up having a meeting with Jack Cummings at Transport Group. Uh And Dick and I sat down at the piano and read and sang the entire script and score. And to oh. Jack's credit, he was able to look past my terrible singing voice and <laughs> um, use his imagination um, and, and told us that he wanted to develop it. So they, they took such good care of us at Transport Group and really, um, you know, spent a, a lot of time just making sure we got the piece right before putting it on stage. What a remarkable
0: story of collaboration and yeah,
1: that's right, and that's evolution. Right. Really, yeah, really yeah. Really I mean, are, yeah. things are, these things always take a long time. You know, musicals are just you know, there's no set formula as to to how things are going to work and why they work. But, but something that is I think a common through line and, and pieces that are more successful is that you give them the time they need to develop and grow and morph into whatever they need to be. And we were so lucky to have this long developmental process. And just the final 20 minutes of the show, um, which is one piece of, it's, it's the poem Renaissance set to music. It's literally a 20 minute musical opus. We needed to do a three-day workshop just learning that one song. Um, um. And that's so rare to have that, opportunity mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to focus on something so specific that way and Jack and Transport Group were able to do that. hmm,
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk a little bit and you, you
0: alluded to this about Edna St. Vincent Millay's life and Dick finding interest there and sharing that with you. Does the book that you're working with and the telling of her story, which is so extraordinary, particularly for its time, how does that influence your compositions?
1: Well, it's interesting because, like I said, I had written half the songs before we right. found the story. But I like to think, you know, nothing happens. Um, everything happens for a reason. And I, I was writing these songs when I was in my early 20s. And um, mm. I, you know, completely coincidentally, or, or maybe not, maybe fortuitously, ha- have a lot of similarities um, with uh. Malay. You know, she left her family far behind. She grew up on the coast of Maine. She has a real affinity with nature and the ocean and the, the sea, um, which I do too. Um, we both, you know, very ambitious and knew what we wanted to do and knew we had to create and we had to get to New York to do that. Um, and You know, like so many of us artists, we all know that we have to get to New York to be able to, to realize our dreams. So it's not just a specific story to me and Malay, obviously, but um you know, I like to think that that kind of um, that that drive was behind my music and my recognition of the poems that I initially chose. Um, and then moving forward, once we decided on the specific story we were telling and and that we would be focusing on Malay's childhood and um, into her early 20s when she really was discovering the power of her own words and her talent, and her sexuality, and her place in the world as a woman, and defying all kinds of um, gender boundaries. Um, you know, there's things that are happening now that I can't believe that you know she was a hundred years ahead of her time and fighting this fight for gender equality. And for how, you know, she she submitted this poem, Renaissance um, E Saint Vincent Malay, because she wanted people to think she was a man because men are more likely to be published. You know mm-hmm. that's still that's, that's not that far-fetched a notion right now. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think I just responded to all of these things and and w- was able to then look for poems that that were even more specific to her journey as a young artist, and just let my own musical voice and my own uh, my own journey as a young artist influence the way I wrote.
0: Mhm. Talk a little bit about the selection of instruments that make up the orchestra. Oh, They're
1: Well, so Michael Sterbin, oh, my God. Michael Sterbin is my favorite orchestrator of all time, and I, I just can't even believe that he agreed to do this phase. And he, I, I honestly think, and I told him this the other day, like, I, I know I'm biased, but I honestly think these are some of the best orchestrations I've ever heard
0: and I can't Mm -hmm. believe
1: they're on my piece um Mm -hmm. so he's been coming to hear these workshops for the last couple of years um and
0: he
1: he, I I sort of just gave it over to him and said like what do you hear and he pretty early on knew the instrumentation that he thought would work best for my score and um there is one big poem in the show called Ballad of the Harp Weaver. Um, and that's a uh-huh. poem that actually won her the Pulitzer, won Malay the Pulitzer Prize in uh, 1922, 23. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we knew we wanted a harp. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Michael writes so beautifully for French horn and that gives him so many colors. And of course, he, Michael's also known for um, his incredible synth work. Um, so, so you know that sort of, uh, and obviously having a piano in there because everything I write uh, for this, have written on this for this show has been piano based. So the piano would be the driving force. But he, he, he and I both knew that that we wanted this um, a, a more of a classical chamber sound. Um, and he decided that he wanted eight pieces. So we have uh, mm-hmm. piano, synthesizer, harp. Double bass, cello, violin, reed player who plays five five instruments, mm-hmm. a wind player, um, French horn.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's just
1: it's unbelievable the colors that he brings out of these eight players. I mean, it often mm-hmm. sounds like there are eighty people in that pit. It's extraordinary. It yeah, it
0: does. It's so it's so rich and so colorful. Now, the New York Times calls the music. Swelling and nakedly emotional when describing the candle-burning life of Miss Millay. What do you hope that audiences learn from this biographical
1: piece? Uh, well, um, you know, it's funny. I've, I actually have not read any of
0: the reviews. I'm, I hear little snippets. Yeah, and that, and that I, might, that, uh, I admit that
1: might not have been a review. It just might have been a oh, oh, Okay, okay. Um, it's uh, either way, you know, I'd, I'd love, um, you know, I, right. I well, want to be nakedly I, emotional. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I want, I, I want people to experience several things um, from this show. Um, you know, one of the main and obvious things is that I, I want Malay's words to find a new audience. And she is not taught anywhere near the amount that she was like 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Like she was a rock star in her generation. She was like the the Lady Gaga or the Madonna of her time. Mm. But, you know, that was 80 years ago and she has fallen out of favor for whatever reason. Um, So there's a whole generation of people who've never heard her poetry or even heard of her. So, you know, one of the goals is to bring this incredible, powerful female artist's work to a new generation um, and more than that, um, and this is possibly why I kept setting the poems in the beginning like i 'm not a big poetry person i don't sit around reading poetry, but there is a beauty in that art form that I feel like by adding the music um, i can I can also bring bring it to a new audience who would not necessarily turn to poetry um, to have a certain experience. So um, I guess I, I wanted to add another layer of an emotional experience to these poems. Um, so there was that, but then there's also just the, the thematically, the poem Renaissance, and I think what we, what we try to do in the show is tell the story of rebirth. Renaissance means rebirth, um, uh, you know, ha- having, finding life anew. And the show is about a woman who is rejected um, quite early on in her career, when she is told that she's going to be lauded and celebrated, um, and it's the way she handles this rejection and turns it around and uses it as the fuel to her fire to keep going as an artist and to to keep using her voice and to keep focused. Um, and that, I think, is you know whether or not you like poetry or you like music. That's that's about you know. Being a, being a human being and dealing with failure and dealing with hardships, which I, I hope everyone can relate to, you mm-hmm, know, finding, mm-hmm. finding the, the strength they need to rebirth themselves.
0: Mm. Well, I, I believe that the mission has been accomplished. Oh, I hope so.
1: Member <laughs> there, I hope just
0: so, thank you. Introduction or reintroduction or different Um, vantage point of an introduction to her and her work. So, Carmel, I thank you. There she is. Thank you so much. I'm Lauren Klassnider with Carmel Dean, the composer of Renaissance, presented by the Transport Group. Thank you.